the chief of chaos is just retaining the aspect that I manage lots of different platforms, lots of different um, aspects of people's businesses and so on, if they ask me to. And it's really just sort of a nod to the fact that this is an incredibly chaotic um, world to start a business right now with all the different uh, platforms and funding options and directions and business models that you could you could go. So um, I'm not narrowing down the definition exactly of what Chief of Chaos is right now, yeah. but I'm definitely taking a look at you know some of the things that are exciting to me. Welcome to Future Driven. I'm Adam Kopp, and on this podcast, I talk with entrepreneurs and industry professionals about the challenges and the wins in their business. See the vision, drive the future. Welcome to episode 24 of the Future Driven Podcast. Today, I have Matt Frary from uh, Chief of Chaos. Uh, Matt, thanks for uh, joining me, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. I really appreciate you having me on. It's uh, exciting to watch your podcast grow, and I can't wait to discuss today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, offline, we were just talking about, you know, my big motivation behind starting this podcast. Is I just love to hear people's entrepreneurial story. And, you know, would love to kind of hear a little bit about your career. Let me uh, shut my email off while we're doing that. And, uh, you know, hear about your career and um, just kind of where, you know, how you got through where you started, you know, what was your career path uh, um, uh, in the early days, if you will. Yeah, so um, just a kind of a background of what Chief of Chaos really is, just to sort of set the stage is uh, Chief of Chaos is my own personal brand. Um, And I have a website, chiefofchaos.com, but it's been all about this feeling that I give to people when I do consulting or help them with startups. And that really came about over the last 22 years of building successful startups. So I can jump to the end of the book and tell you that I've created um, five companies that I've successfully exited from. One of them most recently, I sold to a uh, company that went public uh, and we IPO'd last year. And um, I've since transitioned from that company, but um, each one of the uh, entrepreneurial ventures that I did had successful uh, exits. Now to rewind the tape, um, I really got into this In my senior year at uh, the University of Colorado, I answered a job listing. Uh, This is about 1999. Um, And the job listing was for this dot-com, which was hot at the time, like anything dot-com was so big. And it said basically willing to work lots of hours, um, basically for little pay, uh, but a great learning experience. I ended up working for ebags.com and I was willing to make 500 phone calls a week to travel websites to try to get the link placed from the travel website to the luggage website, ebags.com. So that's where I really cut my teeth. And it was just being willing to um, work for a little bit of pay and a lot of beer and pizza, sticking around till nine o'clock at night, like asking all the questions of the Uh, developers, you know, how are we doing this tracking? What is a cookie? Like what's going on here? And that was really the beginning of the, uh, the affiliate marketing days. You would place a link on someone's website. That website would get paid if a sale occurred. And that fascinated me. It was like, wait, 
I could build a website and I can make money and share in these brand sales. So the next venture that I went to was kickstart.com. And that was a charity mall. And it was all based on affiliate links. So here I am 20 something years old and I'm managing relationships with major merchants, um, you know, the Amazons and at the time, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble, uh, Microsoft, et cetera. And I'm negotiating these commission deals for kickstart.com. Uh, fast forward a year later, we dot bombed out. This is about 2000 and uh, burned through a bunch of money and it didn't work out. But all along the way, that journey was just, just a sponge soaking up. Um, how did these things work? How did the tracking work? Like, how do you negotiate a deal like this? And, and um, that's really what set the stage for the career. Um, few more job positions in traditional agencies, learning about branding and so on. I worked for the Coors uh, ad agency called The Integer Group out of Golden, Colorado. Um, I worked on like 40 different uh, accounts and anything that was uh, .com related kind of landed on my desk and I would negotiate, um, you know, media deals and run huge uh, projects for uh, the likes of Coors and, and other big brands. Um, I then decided I've got to get a quote unquote real education because um, at the time I just felt like I was going to hit this glass ceiling, wouldn't, wouldn't be comfortable starting my own company. So I went and uh, I went to, to school at Thunderbird, uh, graduate school. And that's turns out that's the number one international business school uh, in the world. And I ended up getting a degree in finance and, uh, and marketing. So um, launched the smart car into the US. That was my first job out of uh, getting uh, that degree. And I learned a ton about product development and branding and all of that, uh, working at Mercedes-Benz, launching the smart car into the United States. So um, I'll pause there because uh, that was really sort of the beginning. And then it accelerates from there. But uh, I mean, does that make sense how I kind of got that, got that platform yeah. started? Yeah, no, and it's kind of interesting to hear that you've got a marketing and a finance uh, balanced degree and being a numbers lead generation guy, it makes a lot of sense that you're you're leveraging uh, the tools and the assets of marketing, but with a, a, a goal of finance and numbers behind that, uh, it's kind of a nice, unique blend. Has that been your unique uh, differentiator, if you will, throughout your career? I think it has. Um, I always said when I was going through school that I was only going to do marketing. And I had a mentor at Mercedes-Benz, my boss, uh, during that graduate internship. And he said, what are you going to go back to school and finish? And I said, marketing, because I'm really good at it. And he said, well, that's dumb. Why would you go to school for something you're already really good at? He said, why don't you educate to your weakness? And he said, what's your weakness? And I said, I hate numbers. I hate them. I don't like math. I'm, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm more of like this in the cloud, you know, head in the clouds um, dreamer. And he said, well, then you should go back and uh, study finance. So I did. So I changed my degree. I went back and I studied finance and, and I decided that I was going to figure out the finance behind brands. Like yeah. what was the numbers behind brands? And after you know, to your point, after leaving grad school, I started this company called ROI Rocket, which is a nod to my finance background, return right. on investment rocket. And I ran that for six years. 
I went from uh, not being able to get a job out of grad school to calling up a buddy and saying, hey, what are you doing these days? And he's like, I made $9 million last year with some of the techniques you taught me in affiliate marketing. And while you've been going to school, give me a call. You want to consult me and start an affiliate network? And I was like, yes, better than the bartending application I was just about to put in over at Red Robin. So I did that. I called him. He gave me his credit card. We uh, bought a piece of software. Um, at the time, it was called Direct Track. We bought that software and we ended up building a $40 million ad network called ROI Rocket out of my apartment in Arizona. We ended up moving that to Denver um, because my partners had said, you can move it anywhere you want. And we grew ROI Rocket into one of the most successful um, CPA and lead gen networks out there. Nice. And so, uh, that, that was uh, about 2010. Oh yeah, I was just about to ask. So that was 2010. So you graduated You graduated uh, graduate school. 2004, yeah. So then you spent 2004, 04 to 10, you were building ROI Rocket. And, and yeah. then you exited that, that company? Yeah, I exited that company. Um, it was a little bit of a rough exit. Um, some legal things that, that we went through to try to exit. Um, it's interesting when a lot of money pours into a company, kind of what happens to the founders and the relationships. But got out of that company, um, basically was bought out my shares. And then I ended up taking that chunk of capital. And I started Smarter Chaos. And Smarter Chaos was really a, um, a way to build high growth direct-to-consumer brands. Um, so we were, we were really fortunate early on to work with Dollar Shave Club, FabFitFun, MeUndies, uh, Manscaped. And we just grew like a rocket, funny enough. We grew like a rocket ship. And um, we ended up becoming really well-known for subscription-based companies. Okay. And uh, we grew that until 2020, so for 10 more years. Yeah. And um, we had some offshoots of that business. We built a blogger network called She Is Media. We built a, um, an influencer network called Webfluential, a consulting practice called Elite Media Partners. And then we bundled those companies that were in the digital marketing space, yeah. and we sold them to um, last year to Digital Media Solutions. And okay. uh, then we went public. So throughout that 10 years of, uh, of that company, what is it your marketing and finance, you know, background mixture that, and you said that was the company you became known as a subscription-based um, yeah. target. It was. So you combined it was, yeah. this digital marketing and obviously the growth of social media throughout that 10 years, right, was a big mm -hmm. part of because it could, yeah. would I say that social media would be a big, strong part of that success as well because of how Absolutely. much acquisition was there? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we started ROI Rocket, you got to think that was like 2005 and MySpace was a thing and Google right. was just becoming a thing and Facebook was only just starting, really. Yeah. And so it's been interesting to see all the different platforms, but, but one thing that hasn't changed is 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 measuring the cost to acquire a consumer doesn't matter the platform right but if you really look at the finance behind driving customers to your website it all becomes a math problem and that's kind of funny the guy that doesn't like math but everything in marketing that i've done has become a, a math problem 
What's the cost to install? What's the cost to generate a lead? What's the cost for a click? What's the cost for an impression? All of that is just a spreadsheet of, am I getting paid or paying on the impression, the click, the install, the lead, the sale, whatever. And you can move you know, the payment method, but it always distills down to the same result. What did it cost to acquire the customer ultimately? So. And, and so in that, what does it cost? How do you factor in um, human time, human setup? You know, because obviously there's the ad dollars that are being spent, but there's, there's like a, a roadmap to getting up to speed to ready to launch. There's, uh, and both on, you know, the agency side, as well as the, the, the customer side. How have you managed that? And that's, you know, that's me a personal question because that's something that we combat a, a lot um, with, you know, how you factor that into the that cost, into that number. And, and when you say the human factor, are we talking about the customers coming and purchasing a product? Or are we talking about the human factor of setting up like a subscription company? Like the business setting it up and then also the agency making sure that uh, the the creative, the strategy, everything's built out before you start launching. Because it's not like they can show up day one and start running ads and everything's going to work great. Right. Yeah. So um, I'll break that apart a little bit. So I think that the getting the site ready, let me just tell everybody on this podcast a secret. The site's never ready. Um, you're never ready. But um, if you can transact and you can sell the product and, and it's marginally, um, you know, ready to ship and the website's decent, it's time to start uh, putting it out there on some of the free uh, channels. And, and that would be like blogging a little bit about it or offering it to your friends and family through your LinkedIn connections and just seeing what you can, can glean from that very you know, MVP stage where you're just sort of um, testing the product and so on. And then make a couple tweaks and then launch to sort of your beta phase, which is, you know, test some, you know, test some Google traffic and buy small budgets worth of, of Google. And I say Google because you know what the click is, you know what the cost is. You, you could see immediately with some Google analytics, whether it's, it's turning into sales. And then once you see that there's some conversions going on just through your, your own Google efforts, then try some Facebook, which is a little further up the funnel. Um, try some Facebook traffic, see how that works. As you start to build those out, then it's ready for affiliate traffic. Because if it doesn't work in Facebook and it doesn't work in Google, you can't get it to work on Instagram. There's no way it'll work on, on, on affiliate because affiliate isn't a channel. Affiliate is all types of traffic but you're just paying for them uh, on some predetermined action. And so if you can't get them to work in the other channels, there's no way the affiliates are gonna get it to work in the other channels. So that's kind of the launch sequence, if you will, of how I would get my you know, idea to a product, to a, you know, starting to, to sell and so on. Now, as far as it being ready for an agency to engage, you are not ready to engage with an agency until you have some air under your wings. You've got to have some sales. You've got to have some learnings, maybe some um, conversion metrics and so on. Um, engaging an agency right off the bat is kind of throwing away money. Um, unless that agency 
is versed on the building of the website and the starting um, that those Facebook and Google campaigns. But that's a very expensive way to learn. It's almost cheaper and better for you to do that stage yourself and then bring in an agency to revamp it and make it look prettier down the road. But I, I really don't think that if I was going to market with products or a subscription or something like that, I would just use all the tools available to me on a Shopify or, or a WooCommerce, make it look as good as I could um, with those, those tools and kind of go from there. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And, and it's amazing how strong the Shopify platform has become in a short period of time because- It's it, incredible. Yeah, and it's only gonna get stronger. And, and yeah, I mean, I think they're gonna, they're, they, they rival Amazon as a platform. So if you think about it, I have a product, call it Product X. Product X, I can build my website and so I can put it on a platform like a like a Shopify, and then there's the Shopify marketplace where where consumers can come buy. Yep. Or I could choose to take that product and just be an Amazon seller of that product and live in that universe, or I can do both. But then I have to manage channel conflict and that sort of thing. So really what Shopify's managed to do is is to take on Amazon. And then don't you see Walmart also becoming a player in that world as well? Absolutely. There's the, that's the third one. That's a really yeah. good point. Um, Alibaba, Walmart, you know, any of these open marketplaces and, and Walmart's making a strong play. I actually just read an article that for the first time, Amazon sales um, outpaced in the last quarter, outpaced Walmart as a whole. Total sales. Yep. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So the two of them are going to, those giants are going to, you know, Titans are going to clash. And if, if, if those two aren't watching Shopify, which I'm sure they are, um, I would think Shopify has got their number as well. Yeah. And, I, and then funny you said that about that article, because I just saw an article about Amazon announcing they're going to be opening up brick and mortar stores. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I know there's a, there's an Amazon store here in Denver, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so I think they have they have quote unquote bookstores. They obviously have Fresh. They have their Amazon Go, but I don't know what it means to have a bigger uh, presence. But they're probably just you know going to attract to all aspects of human behavior of buying, right? You oh know? yeah, it'll be it'll probably be like a Walmart Light or something like that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so I mean, I think the future is some hybrid, right? Of yep. uh, digital and um, e-commerce and it'll be really interesting to see how that all goes yeah so uh as you've gone throughout your career and you've consulted with different uh companies uh and and so you you built company as in sold them and and you've also consulted with different companies and advised them on how to you know navigate the space you know yeah, kind yeah of currently currently i've been a mentor at the founders institute so the founders institute is is the largest um, seed accelerator um, from idea to execution in the world. And it was really uh, started in Silicon Valley, but I work as a mentor out of the Denver um, chapter. And last night, for example, we just had the first round of pitches from like 20 different entrepreneurs. And it was really interesting because we got to hear all these ideas that were seeded from these founders. We get to critique as a mentor, but then we also get to 
mentor and tell them our story. We have different um, sessions on vision and sales and marketing and finance and raising capital and all those sorts of things. So it's been really good to be a mentor. I've been doing that for over a decade. Um, it's just my way of giving back to teach um, other entrepreneurs that there's this safe space that you can kind of um, develop the idea and, uh, and launch it. And I wish I had had that um, early on, but that those types of resources are out there. And I also do, um, you know, I'll do consulting on one-off um, growth companies and, and issues that they're having. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an e extremely dynamic space and uh, we've got all kinds of cool things like uh, cryptocurrency and, you know, the rise of Amazon and Shopify, like we just talked about, and lots of different uh, models like subscription and app-based models and all that sort of thing. So super fun to watch where these entrepreneurs are coming up with ideas. Yeah. So it's funny you say crypto. One of the things that I'm really interested in is NFTs. Have you gotten uh, into that space at all? And what do you kind of see there? I'm watching the space. Um, there's a lot of early adopters and it's really interesting. I just saw that Fanatics, for example, traditional e-commerce, you know, selling their, um, you know, selling actual physical products, hats and jerseys and those sorts of things just got into uh, very interesting areas um, funded by Jay-Z. Yep. And um, they've released a lot of articles about this, but it's basically headed towards um, gaming. They just got their, um, their head, they've been headed, you know, signaling they're headed towards uh, gaming and gaming licenses. And then it looks like they're also possibly headed into NFTs. And so it's interesting to see these, these e-commerce companies head, head in that direction. And I saw Coca-Cola just sold their first uh, round of NFTs. Um, everybody thought they would do the bears as the NFT but um, they, they did something else. It was some other character that they, that they uh, did as collectibles. And are you, do you watch Gary Vee at all and see his V friends that came out? So the, the big thing that I like about what he's doing is, is he's going to challenge the NFT space because of his community of, you know, avid followers and he's creating these experiences behind these digital assets, right? So it's, it's a digital asset, which is, has a value, but it's just what comes with it, with that, whether it's a FaceTime a couple times a year, or it's personal, like you can go visit him or tickets to his conference he's coming out with. I mean, that's where I see the NFT space really going. You know, if you think yeah. about like professional athletes or you're now with college athletes, how could they have this, uh, you know, intimate experience through this NFT that is then gives fans one-on-one, you know, Zoom calls doesn't cost anybody much money or time, uh, but it's a huge value to someone who might own the NFT. Yeah, I think that stuff you're talking about is super creative. Um, that's probably where we're headed. That's definitely cutting edge. I don't pretend to completely understand the scope of where it could go, but I'm fascinated and I'm watching and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, you know, what, what sparks in my brain of how they're, you know, sustainable business models um, off of this. Auctioning off an NFT, I'm, I'm not sure if that's just sort of a fad right now. Um, but the other stuff that you're talking about is super interesting. Yeah. And then my more, I guess my big question for all of it is like, how do you protect it? Like, how do you, 
you know, make sure that that's not being replicated or. I guess know. it's the blockchain, right? But like, how is, is that really, you know, something that they can't replicate? Like, I still don't totally understand why I would want to own, you know, a avatar and be the only one that owns it. For example, like that doesn't get me going, right? but they're selling some for over a million dollars. So um, yeah, it's the collectible aspect of it, right? Like it's, I mean, think about when you were a kid, it's, you know, pieces of cardboard baseball cards, which absolutely, I mean, it's just a picture, but I mean, yeah, I, I didn't understand that as a kid either. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but some people really get into it and it's definitely a market to watch. And, um, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to watch that. I tried to get into to the blockchain and cryptocurrency fairly early. I bought a bunch of domains in that, but I was so busy building some of these other companies that I didn't really build the domains out. Yeah. Um, I had some news related, crypto related uh, domains, but I never really, I never really jumped on that either. So I was a little late to that game. I was forward on the influencer game but anyway there's uh there's definitely a lot to be had there well um you know matt you you are definitely have seen the vision on a lot of things and you know so what what what's next for you and as you start to consult with different companies and and uh you know chief of chaos like you know and can you give me a little bit of the naming of that uh you know is that you're just providing clarity around chaos in the space yeah the name came from me when i was the ceo of smarter chaos as i called myself chief of chaos but it's carried as i've sold smarter chaos and it's now a part of uh, digital media solutions the chief of chaos is just retaining the aspect that i manage lots of different platforms lots of different um, aspects of people's businesses and so on if they ask me to and it's really just sort of a nod to the fact that this is an incredibly chaotic um, world to start a business right now with all the different uh, platforms and funding options and directions and business models that you could you could go. So um, I'm not narrowing down the definition exactly of what Chief of Chaos is right now, yeah. but I'm definitely taking a look at you know some of the things that are exciting to me. What I do know is that I'll only work on things that uh, get me out of bed in the morning that I get excited about. Um, I'll only work with people that I respect and that are great people to work with. Um, that includes from clients to customers. And, and I do know that um, I want there to be a giving aspect. So that's a really big thing for me in my life right now is it's not enough for us to chase the almighty dollar. I believe that that's a false idol and we have to you know, we have to have a, a greater purpose to our life. So um, probably for another podcast, I'll have to go into detail about surviving the tsunami in Thailand. But uh, in 2004, I'll give you a little preview. I was floating on the ocean for 10 hours in uh, Phuket after the tsunami ripped through and killed everybody at my resort. And at that moment in 2004, when I was floating with my wife on the ocean, uh, considered lost by CNN. And um, I think if you Google my name and, and uh, the tsunami, I think I'm still on the missing list. So at that moment, I realized, 
life has to be more about than just just chasing the dollar. We've got to give back in our lifetime. So you'll see on my chiefofchaos.com website that I give back to charities. I build homes in Peru for um, you know kids down there. Uh, there's there's so many homeless in Lima, um, and I do a lot of uh, Christian charities and so on. So next phase of my life is going to be about mixing commerce, bettering people's lives, and working on uh, amazing business models. Love it. Well, you know, I when we we connected on LinkedIn, and I was uh, impressed by your you know, vulnerability and talking through the con, uh, your content on the, on the website or on, sorry, on the, on the platform. So that really, uh, you know, attracted to me, if you will. And, and everything you're saying now is, is why I wanted to have them on the podcast. So I appreciate, hey man, I appreciate you. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to uh, knowing more about what you're going to do next. And uh, let's definitely stay in contact. And uh, again, appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And anybody, you can follow me, Twitter, um, Instagram, and Facebook is just either forward slash Chief of Chaos or at Chief of Chaos, and we'll uh, stay in touch. Perfect. Thanks, Matt. Thank you.